0: Good morning. Oh, I got three of you. Good morning. Good morning. There we are. Oh, how is everyone this morning? Did anybody see the snow on the peak? There's snow on the peak, guys. I see sweaters and flannels this morning, so you must have seen it. Well, I'm glad you're here. We have been enjoying Jesus' presence this morning, and we've been praying over you guys. We're excited to be here. Isn't it wonderful to be here? Awesome. Well, let's stand and let's begin our time of worship together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for the crispness in the air that reminds us that you're doing a new thing with the new season coming in. And Lord, we know you're always doing things new in us. And I pray that as we walked in this morning, we just kind of hung up our folks from the week. And when we walked through the doors of the sanctuary, we just committed ourselves to being with you. Lord, we love to fellowship with you and with our brothers and sisters in the Maybe knew that walked in the door, Jesus. I prayed that you left them there But Lord, I pray that you'll start tilling our hearts, start getting us ready as we continue with our worship this morning and all the different facets of that. And Lord, I pray that we will be obsidian. He was just waiting for you. And all he had to do is hold this little baby. Never had to see a miracle never had to hear you preach. He just believed in what you were going to do. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning. I pray that you will be in the middle of it all. You will be sensitive to your spirit. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you turn and greet each other this morning and welcome each other here? We're glad that you're here.
1: Good morning church family isn't it good to be together today to worship our incredible and wonderful Savior Jesus Christ thank you for coming to worship with us WP Naz we are so glad that you are here and hopefully as you came in you were able to get a handout from our one of our greeters if not Lance is going to be walking around here and he has some extra handouts so just raise your hand and he will be sure that you get one uh, because we want everyone to have a handout and inside of your handout is this connection card. so if you'll go ahead and just pull that out please this is the way we stay connected there's a place on the back where you can write a prayer request down we would love to be praying for you this week anything that's heavy on your heart Write it down, put it in the offering plate in just a few minutes, and we will be praying for your prayer request. Also, if you are visiting with us for the first time or if you've visited with us before but have not put down your information, please go ahead and just take a few minutes and jot that information down there, and uh, I'll be in touch with you this week, and I would love to just get to know you a little bit better. So thank you so much for doing that. Also, right now in the back right through those doors and down the hallway we have an incredible children's program going on so if there's any kids in the service that would like to go and join our kids uh, back there you are more than welcome and again just through those doors and back through the hallway we would love to have you join them also you'll see the little alabaster box here in front of the basket so last week and this week we are doing taking up our alabaster um, box collection and doing our alabaster uh, march during the, the offering. So, if you brought yours back today, just during the offering, I just invite you to come forward and put that alabaster box in the basket here. And the funds, the change, the checks, or uh, whatever's in there will go for building the buildings on the mission field. And I just thank you so much for your giving. What a difference it makes. Also, small groups beginning this week and we are so excited about our small groups um, we've had sign ups for the last three weeks but if you did not get a chance to sign up it's not too late go ahead and see me after the service uh, or contact me throughout the week and I'll make sure that we find just the right small group for you because we want everyone to experience group life here at WP Next Sunday, we have a very special treat. Dr. Floyd Cunningham is going to be coming to speak to us here at church Sunday morning. He's from Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary in the Philippines, and he is also from our church back home. He grew up at Gaithersburg Church of the Nazarene, was called to ministry there. He's been serving there in the Philippines for 40 years. Is that correct? And his mom served as our missionary president back there at Gaithersburg Church of the Nazarene for like 200 years. So they are amazing, mission-minded family. We're excited to have Dr. Cunningham here with us next week. I'm going to invite Barbara Fritz to come up and Scott Meyer. And they just have another announcement about some upcoming
2: Good morning. I'd like to draw your attention to a small page that you have in the handout that you've got coming in the door. It's about the potluck next weekend. As you know, each year we get to celebrate um, uh, thanking our pastors and staff, showing them appreciation for all that they've done. So we'd like to make sure and invite everyone to come um, for the potluck to make life simpler. Um, we've divided everybody's names by last names and groups. You wouldn't mind looking at that to see what kind of dish you could bring. We'll have a more well-rounded potluck. Um, also, traditionally, we have a basket at the back of the room during the potluck for each of us to be able to leave off any gifts or cards or words of encouragement for the various folks that we're thanking. So I know during the year we all like to say thank you or we really appreciate what people are doing, but this gives us a very tangible Specific opportunity to leave at least maybe a card with a word of encouragement. You're welcome to leave actual gifts if you like, invitations to dinner, or any other creative idea that you come up with. But we'd like to invite everyone to be here after church next Sunday. If you'd like to help out, I do need people to help me set up and clean up and serve. So if anybody could give me a call or an email, my email and phone number is on on the little flyer. Thank
3: you so much. Well, good morning, Woodland Park. Now, who, who could that be? So, oops, I almost gave it away. So there's a story behind that picture. That cute little guy didn't get that cute by accident. Well, it was kind of an accident. Where I live... We had a a loop driveway that came out to the highway and i was riding my bicycle around this loop probably pretending i was in the indianapolis 500 and on one of my loops somebody parked a 1959 pontiac bonneville stationway in the driveway and i came around the corner from off the highway going as fast as i could and there the back end of a huge, huge car. And that car also had, it was the only year that had two pointed fins coming off a tail light. And guess where that tail fin hit me? Well, (laughs) history is destined to repeat itself if we don't learn. And these days, I've got a new look. Which our district superintendent happened to point out to me by asking me, "Last time I saw you, didn't you have more teeth?" <laughs> so there's no hiding out. There's no hiding this. I'm coming out today. Uh, but we had a really good meeting last Tuesday with our district superintendent regarding the pastoral search, and I took a couple of notes just to make sure I don't forget any anything important. Um, Dr. Askren our district superintendent met with us Tuesday night and the process that we use to select a new pastor is that all of the resumes will go to Dr. Askren immediately and if you have any suggestions for someone who might be uh, a a good pastor for us you are you are asked to, to send those resumes to him he takes those resumes, filters them down, based on, remember our survey about the pastoral characteristics? Using that as a guideline, he picks what he considers to be the three best candidates from a pile, and literally it is a pile of resumes that he has in his office. So he filtered those down to three, and he presented those to, the, to your board uh, on Tuesday night. The board took a good look at the resumes, we watched sermons from all three of the candidates, and really, we had to say there were two candidates that really just stood out as as very good potentials, very good potentials. They are very, very different from one another, but I would say that the way that the board reacted, they are equally qualified, just for different reasons and and much different reasons. Um, <clears throat> so what we did beyond that was Dr. Asprin asked us to to consider having a conversation with just one of those to begin with um, the, the I would say the prevailing method would be when you begin conversation with a candidate you want to finish that conversation with that candidate and decide whether they are worth pursuing before you you talk to another person, and if we decide after that conversation that maybe uh, the second candidate or, like I said, co-equal candidate would be a good a good uh, person to have that conversation with, we would take up a conversation with them, but not getting clouded between the two. If that makes sense, so we actually uh, were able to to agree that we would have a conversation with one of those two candidates. And that that uh, conversation should take place on October 27th. So this is this is, I think, really good news. It, it's very it's very heartening for us to have two candidates that uh, I think half the board was excited about one, half the board was excited about the other. But we didn't have a heck of a lot to say that would be discouraging to either one of those candidates. So we'll we'll let that process work itself out, and the next the next very large event would be that that uh, conversation we'll have by video on October 27th so that image up here that image up there is a reminder to me that on occasion I might make the wrong decision I probably didn't need to be going quite as fast as I was coming around that highway and into our driveway just with the off chance that somebody would park a tank in the driveway uh but but from that standpoint i, I would say that we on the board covet your prayers because this is an incredibly incredibly important decision uh that, or a series of decisions that we need to make and i i would say difficult um, because of the the quality of the two candidates that we are already looking at so thank you and make sure you keep us in your prayers because we do need wisdom and discernment as we continue this process thank you very very much
2: I apologize I realized I forgot to um, identify for you the staff and the pastors that we're going to recognize next week So, as you know, we have Ben and Kelly, who have been with us, taking us through this process this year, and we get the opportunity to show them appreciation. We have Pastor Scott, who does our youth group, and his beautiful wife, Rachel. And then on staff, we also have Lori, who brings us into worship each week, Tracy, who uh, takes care of all the kids in the Sunday school plan, and Robin in the office. We know that behind every great effort, there's someone running things behind the show, keeping us all straight. So, Those are the people we'd like to especially be able to show appreciation. I know there's lots of volunteers that do different things, um, and at some point we may be able to do a volunteer appreciation, which would practically cover everybody in the room here. But thank you so much for what you're planning for them next week.
4: Thank you.
1: You know, we serve a holy God who wants us to be a holy people. He calls us to be holy, but he also tells us what that looks like, helps us to know how to go about that, and empowers us with his Holy Spirit to enable us to do that. I want to read to you, before we take up our morning tithes and offerings, I want to read to you from Colossians 3, beginning with verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, and dearly loved. That's us. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another, and with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude, in your hearts to god and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him this is the word of the lord thanks be to god our ushers are going to come and wait on us for our morning ties and offerings again remember if you have that alabaster offering please bring it forward during the offering after the plates have gone by and put it here in the basket. And I would like to say a prayer for us as we give. Father, thank you so much for being such a generous God. Thank you, Jesus, for calling us to be your people, your children. Thank you, Lord, that we are dearly Father, thank you so much for this process that uh, we're going through in selecting a new lead pastor. Thank you for the board. Thank you for Dr. Asper. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is at work through them. We just pray, Father, that you will lead and guide and just bring the right person here. And, Father, we thank you for this privilege to share in your ministry by giving our tithes and offerings. And as we do that, Lord, we just pray that you will multiply whatever it is that we give, Lord, and do great things, Father, through our giving. Lord, thank you. You are here with us, and we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray.
5: Like Isaiah of old, who saw you high and lifted up. God, help us to see you for who you are these days. Make us people of worship. Make us people of prayer. Make your presence known among us, not only when we gather here, but when we're out and about, day to day. God, help us to seek your face. Thank you for this time, this this place. The opportunity to praise you to come to you, God. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy and grace. God, where would we be without you? We give you thanks. We pray for those in need today. We pray for those in the path of hurricanes. We pray for those in the crossfires of war. We pray for those among our own church family who are sick and struggling. We lift up Stephen who rolled a truck this past weekend. Pray for healing. We pray for hope for those that are struggling, for those that perhaps we know in our circle of friends and our families that even today wonder if there's any reason to to wake up tomorrow. God, I pray that wherever they are, you would make yourself known. And for those of us that are gathered here, Lord, meet us at our point of need. Speak into our lives today. Speak hope, Encourage us. Strengthen our faith. God, we pray again in this uh, pastoral search that your will would be done. Thank you for our good leaders. Thank you for these good people. And Lord, we trust you to be in this process to give us wisdom for a good decision. Now, Father, we just pray again that you would open our ears to your word, our hearts to your word. Help us to receive what you have for us today. We pray this with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. And all God's people say. Amen. Amen. Be seated. to be with you this morning. Is it good to be here? Yeah, I like that. Uh, We have guests here again today. I think this might be our last round, almost our last round of friends. And uh, I don't know. Who knows? But the more the merrier, as far as we are concerned. Greg and Laura Lee Cluxton, would you welcome them to our service today? If I... uh, Summarized everything that they've done back home in our church over the past almost 30 years. I wouldn't have time to preach. They are uh, dear, dear friends, and it's been great to uh, show them around a little piece of Colorado. Currently, they're both board members, and so they've been through a nine month transition period in that church back home. They've been through the search and selection process. They've uh, been in those board meetings where a district superintendent comes in with a stack of resumes, and their new lead pastor just began last Sunday. So if any of you have any questions or want to know what that's all like, there's the folks to grab after service today. Greg and Lily really Our girls are next up, speaking of company, including this one. Yes! We will be known, uh, Greg and Laura Lee, around here in years to come as the pastors who were always showing their granddaughter off on Sunday morning. A lot of scripture this morning, and I'm going to add one, Scott, so no slide for this. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn to 1 John chapter 4, can we get enough scripture on a Sunday morning or any other day? in our lives, I hope not. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, I've got a variety of uh, texts this morning, but I want to lead with this one. 1 John chapter 4, at verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is made complete. This is the second in four messages, Lord willing, that I'll preach in the next couple of months on the theme of holiness. Someone has said, if you want to be popular, preach happiness. If you want to be unpopular, preach holiness. Now I'm not out to be unpopular, and I really believe we have some folks gathered here today that want to hear the truth and live by that truth. Amen? We began with the holiness of God last Sunday. Why? among other things, because we are called to be holy, because God is holy. We were made in God's image in the beginning of time. That image was marred by our fall, by our sin. God's saving, sanctifying word is restoring that image in us. If God is holy, we are called to be Holy. Speaking of image, what is your image of what it means to be holy? Is it some straight, laced, sour-looking, finger-waggy, never-have-any-fun kind of person? I think that comes to mind for some folks. Not too appealing. Or does some super saint like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham come to mind, and you think, I could never be like that. Unattainable. Here early on, let me say that holiness is neither of those. It is attainable, and it is beautiful. Someone else has said that true holiness isn't cold and deadening. It's warm and inviting. It's irresistible. Those who think otherwise have never seen it, but only its caricatures. What was David's desire in Psalm 27? Let me worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness last sunday i said i needed more than one word to describe god to describe his nature his character if pressed i think i could do it in two words holy love And i said holy love will carry through all these messages and, and i believe that's true especially God has most certainly called us to be holy. The first call came to his people, Israel. Amen. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then the call came to his people, the church. That's you and I. The apostle Peter in his first letter, the first chapter, verse Verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Leviticus 19, be holy because I am holy. But here's what I would suggest to you today. That the end result of God's sanctifying work, and what does that word sanctify mean? Simply the work of God in us to make us holy. Two facets to that, to set us apart and to purify us, to to clean us up, to to change us inside. I'd suggest today that the end result of God's sanctifying work in us is love. One of our spiritual fathers, John Wesley. I know Mike McNally likes John Wesley. He's perking up right now. He's probably ready to run the aisle. No, don't he? John Wesley summarizes the sanctifying work of God in three words. Here it is in my title today, Love Made Perfect. And I think Jesus would agree that love is the end result of God's sanctifying work in us. When asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I think the Apostle Paul would agree. Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit is first of all love. 1 Corinthians 13, another of the Apostle Paul's letters after a chapter talking about spiritual gifts, he says, now let me show you the most excellent way. I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love I am nothing if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love I gain love nothing I think the Apostle Peter would agree that love is the end result of God's sanctifying work. In that passage from 1 Peter 1, it begins with that call to be holy. He goes on to say, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I think John Wesley's brother, Charles, who wrote a wrote about 5,000 hymns, who, along with his brother, God used to, to lead a great revival that swept England and hopped upon the to these United States. And that's really why perhaps we're here today. And one of his hymns wrote, Thy nature, gracious Lord, in part, come quickly from above. Write thy new name upon my heart, thy new best name of love. So as we unpack this whole theme of holiness, as we take up the question of what it means to be a holy people, live a holy life, know right from the start that at the end of the day, love is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in us. Love is the end result of God's sanctifying work. And a deeper love is our pursuit as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. That sound right? If it does, say amen, just to encourage me a little bit right here. Yeah. Let's talk about what love means. What love is. Take all the different ways you could describe love. First Corinthians thirteen alone. Love is patient. Love is time, And on the list goes. And I would offered to you that love, at the end of the day, is having an attitude and behaving towards others so as to have their good, their good, in mind. It is to put others' interests and needs above your own. We experience that in healthy marriage. Kelly and I, I don't always get to do what I want to do. And she's okay with that. Am I saying that right? This is going to be a beautiful analogy, and I'm just reckoning. I really got to think this through. I'll think myself deeper. I don't always get to do what I want to do I don't know here's I'm reading it wrong. I don't I don't always insist on doing what I want to do and she wants that to be the case no that doesn't make sense either somehow I was gonna work heartland in here that's why we're gonna start season 11 of heartland this week okay I'm gonna skip to the next section But you know what I mean in a healthy marriage, how that works, right? Many of you serve and give and are patient with each other and kind of put up with things that aren't your cup of tea because you love this church. Given that love is the end result of the sanctifying work of God. How does that play out in the context of holiness? What does a holy love look like? I want to wrestle with that a little bit for the next few minutes. You said there are two facets to holiness. There's that facet that is relative to others. We are, as a holy people, set apart. And then there's what God does inside us, purifying our hearts, cleansing us. take up that inner work of God first. God's saving, sanctifying work first of all forgives us, but it doesn't stop there. It frees us, His work, from the power of sin. God addresses both what we've done and who we are. Amen? There's real change there. Aren't you glad? There's still hope for all of us. Sin Turns us in on ourselves, our self-rule, self-first, self-centeredness, so that at the very least we live in a a quiet rebellion to God, and at the very least, in a way that often hinders healthy relationships with others. The kind of relationships, God. Has. When God cleanses our hearts is taking that power of sin away so that we're no longer turned in on ourselves. It's no longer all about me. I'm not calling the shots. We will love God and want to do what He's asked us to do. And we will love others and want to do what God, what's good for them. If indeed the end result of God's sanctifying work in us is love, we should hear words like cleansing or purity or righteousness in terms of love. A pure heart is one in which love becomes the motive in everything that we do regarding others. Right is always good, and righteousness is doing what is good for others. That's that's love. You with me? Do you see how love is behind it all? Now, why am I emphasizing this? Why am I saying all of this? Because there is a holiness that isn't loving. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, by and large, were keeping all the rules. But they didn't love people. I'm not even sure they loved God. They were being righteous for righteousness' sake, and proud of it, by the way. Purity for them meant not allowing themselves to be defiled but by unholy people and things. And that kind of holiness is still alive and well today. Love is what keeps us from being different for difference sake. Love keeps the pride out of holiness. It keeps holiness from being legalistic. Love is the beauty of holiness. I've seen it here in this church, in the embrace of two people who sat down together to talk through a disagreement. I see it in the way you meet people where they are in their life's journey. And that's a beautiful Let's think about love relative to that other facet of holiness, the set-apart facet relative to the world. In the Old Testament, Israel was called to be a holy people, chosen and set apart from other nations. They were told to live by God's command and not like the peoples around them. Because of the evil practices of the nations around them, they were not to intermarry. Put time out there. Note the separation in that regard, and in other regards, was never an ethnic, national issue. It was always a behavioral issue. That makes sense. They were asked not to intermarry. Indeed, upon their entrance to the Promised Land, they were even asked to drive out or destroy those nations. Why? God did not want his chosen people influenced by those nations and their evil practices. Why? Well, certainly for uh, for Israel's own good. Right is always good. God's told us not to do something. It's for our good. It was for Israel's good. And because God's plan was to save the world through his chosen people, Israel. God had a purpose for his setting them apart. Say a lot was at stake in that regard is the understatement of the ages. The church is now God's chosen people, called to be holy, set apart from the world. And by world, I mean human society organized without God. That portion of our culture that's out of step with God, that's disregarding His commands. Romans twelve two, Paul says, "Do not conform." the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Why are we asked to live that way? Same reason as for Israel. God doesn't want us influenced by the world. For starters, it's not good for us. Rather, He wants us to influence the world. He wants to save the world through His church. Amen. you with me, In our case, it's not a physical separation. God's people are everywhere, in every nation. Unless we are specifically called, we are not headed to a monastery when we're saved. We don't necessarily stop hanging out with sinners when we decide to follow Jesus. Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus, what a friend to sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul, right? And in his opening line in those encounters and conversations with the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery or that Pharisee Nicodemus or that tax collector Zacchaeus, he didn't lead with judgment and condemnation. What we're trying to do here is understand love in the context of holiness, specifically that facet of holiness that sets us apart from the world. We are set apart from the prevailing culture, the world that disregards God. We are set apart by our behavior, our values, our view of the world, our attitudes, our responses to people. We are set apart by our love. Jesus summed it up when he said to us disciples, they are in the world but not of it. Being set apart is always for a purpose, and it's not to keep us safe. It's not to cloister the church until Jesus comes. Our purpose is to partner with God in saving the world, to go back out into the world changed. Filled with God's Spirit, loving our neighbor and working for the good of the world that God so loved that he gave his own son to save him. I'm thinking about a friend back home named Darren. He's given his testimony before and wouldn't mind me sharing a bit of it here. Rough background. Alcoholic. Drugs. Failed marriage. Got into a lot of stuff. But the Lord got a hold of his life, and safety. began to bring an old guy from a nursing home to uh, our church back home, and after that uh, older gentleman passed on, uh, Darren kept coming. I always remember about uh, a Sunday, I think it was after his friend passed away, that he was getting ready for church and decided he was too tired and laid down on the the couch uh, go back to sleep, but a bee literally stung him in the backside and he took that as a sign that he needed to get his backside to church service that day he's a wonderful guy but the reason Darren comes to mind uh, very involved in the life and ministry of that church but he stayed connected to his friends and he's always inviting somebody to church or inviting somebody to that potluck and going to their parties and reaching out to them and hitting the golf course he stayed connected there Probably as much as anyone back home. He, he's, he's got the gift of showing and telling the good news of Jesus to others. It's been good to hear from Greg and Laura Lee since they've been here about the, the ministries that continue to, to flourish back there at GCN. GCN's out there in the community distributing food, and services in the nursing home, reaching out to the football team at the local high school, and on the list of been encouraging to hear about the things that you all are doing out there in the community. Cheryl Birch in that Pioneer store. That's awesome if you haven't heard about that. Thinking about Harry back here and the driving he does for senior adults in Woodland Park. Thinking about Cliff and Dunedin for reaching out to Vietnam veterans recently. The Rumseys and that pickleball stuff. We've met 40 or 50 people in the community. It's just been great and all of this goes. About. Not of the world anymore. you better believe you've got to be in the world. As people are saved and sanctified and stay in jobs and keep going to school, God's love and light is shining in places it didn't before. And that's how the kingdom of God works. We're like seeds. We're like yeast in a batch of dough, like like salt, rubbed in the meat, preserved, that like a light. I met a young guy back east in my last visit to check in on my mom, who has a small real estate and business. And their vision is to go into poor neighborhoods and renovate the homes and turn those homes into recovery homes. And then invite folks in the neighborhood Come live in that recovery home and stay in that neighborhood so that they're an inspiration to others. Our tendency is to want to get somebody out of their environment, but their vision is to, to keep them right in there. It seems to be a good illustration of what the church should be doing. We're talking about love in the context of course, We're talking about holy love. There is also a love. As a jesus said if you love me you will do what i command there is a love that just accepts anything that disregards the commands of god that never speaks truth jesus spoke and embodied truth in those conversations and encounters he would have he didn't lead with judgment and condemnation. In fact, I don't know that he ever judged or condemned, but he did speak truth. For the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. For the woman at the well, and all the others. When Jesus began his ministry, he proclaimed good news and said, repent. Apostle Paul said that when we are transformed, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Paul described his church, Christ's church, to Timothy in his first letter to him as the pillar and foundation of the truth. We are charged to hold up the truth, to proclaim the truth, to preach the truth, to live the truth. Thought about parents that allow their kids to do anything they want? Not a good idea, young parents out there. If that's what you're doing, the Lord disciplines those He loves. So, should parents, holy love, speaking truth in love like Jesus being full of grace and truth, is it easy? All right? It's a lot easier to preach a sermon about it on a Sunday morning than it is to have those conversations, to administer that discipline, to speak and embody that truth. With God's help, we will have to do that. It's called a holy love. Time doesn't allow me to attempt to apply that as much as I'd like to this morning. But among other things, we could apply a holy love to issues that we're dealing with these days, both personally, perhaps in our circles of friends and in our family, and collectively as a church and society, like race and justice and issues around human sexuality, holy love, holy love. We cannot have a holiness that isn't loving. We cannot have a love that isn't holy. God calls us to holy. I want to do my very best with God's help to be faithful to the Scriptures, to be a pillar and foundation of the truth. And I want to be redemptive in that. I think we need to strive for that. We need to pray over that. We need to think about that, what that looks like asked myself this week in a little journaling exercise can I do that speak truth and be redemptive with the right spirit and never offend anyone never turn anyone away never have anyone angry at me no good Jesus and he did it better than anyone in fact maybe I could have cut this message down by about 90% and just said, if you want to know what holy love looks like, just look at Jesus, spend time with Jesus, step into his story, open up the gospels, ask yourself, what would Jesus do if he were me in this situation, in that relationship, in this conversation? about you but for me whether it's the courage to speak truth or grace to speak truth in the right spirit love is most often what I need for us well I'm going wrong I need to wrap this thing up love made perfect is there a word there that scares you a little bit? It may freak you out a little? The word perfect? It's not John Wesley's word, it's a New Testament word. In Wesley's classic work, A Plain Account of Christian Perfection, he takes that three-word summary of God's sanctifying work in us from the King James Version of 1 John 4:17. 17. Herein is our love made perfect. up in Matthew 548, Jesus said, Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. Shows up in Philippians 3.12, Paul's testimony. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. And I think Paul is helping us recognize there that the Greek word does not mean perfection as we would understand perfection, i.e. flawless. Because there will always be room to grow, to mature. In this case, to love more deeply. Always the need for God to continue His work in us. But the Greek word seems to allow for a completeness at any given stage of our development. It seems to indicate our being restored to the use for which something or someone was intended. Perhaps there's a little bit of a hint in the meaning of that word when we say to our uh, kids, when they paint us a picture, Rob Hampton back home who uh, takes used bicycles that have been uh, rusted in somebody's backyard or collecting dust in the garage or put out by the curb in the trash, bag. and he takes those home and he fixes those up and he pumps the tires and he replaces parts and he gets them to lower-income kids to ride. They may still have a flat tire. They may still need a little oil once in a while, but they're they've been restored to the Bible commentary Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 that be ye perfect therefore as your father in heaven is perfect this is what this commentator writes for Matthew there is correspondence in meaning meaning between holy and the word translated as perfect which is not perfection of actions but rather of being wholly transformed into one who loves unconditionally as God While we may never be flawless, we believe the Scriptures teach us that we can come to a place where love is the compelling motive of our lives. That all we say and do and think is guided by a love that God gives us for others, the fruit of the Spirit within us. And that we can get to a place in our lives when we, if we say or do or think anything that isn't motivated by love, that we recognize it and make it right. Ask God, and others to forgive us, turn from that and keep stepping forward. Love made perfect. What's my part in that? Just being available. Fred's going on to perfection or maturity, as the writer of the Hebrews calls us to, chapter 6, verse 1, is a great need. few questions as we wind this down. Thank you for your patience in listening today. Faith is not a ticket to heaven that you slip in your back pocket and pull out at the end. Jesus has called us, John chapter 12, to fall to the ground and die. Because unless we fully surrender to Christ, God can't fully work Fill us with the Spirit. It's only then that He can fully bless us and fully use us and complete His work in us. Make His work complete. to that every message in this series would end with an invitation. Last week the invitation was to see God. To see God for Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that German pastor, Nazi German, provides this week's invitation. That when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and, and die. Perhaps you're here today and you've been hurt, you're struggling, you need to score, you know, here, and you've been Perhaps you're here today and want a deeper love. That's me. Want a deeper love. Perhaps you're here today and you've not fully committed your life to Christ. You haven't said, like I did on March 29, 1976, I still remember the moment. Who was preaching? Where I was. God, whatever you want with me, you saved me six years ago, but I'm all in. Where you want me to go, what you want me to be, that's me. And I believe he did something new and deeper in me in that moment. Worry so much about the people around us. We just focus on the God that loves us, that's called us, that has a plan and purpose for our life, and wants the very best for us. So much that He He doesn't hesitate to discipline, doesn't hesitate to speak truth. Sometimes. That hurts. I just want to linger for a few minutes. Give us the opportunity to respond to what God has. promise that your word will not return to your feet. Pray that you accomplish it along through us these days. What you want. Trust do that in Jesus' name. Love this song that uh, I've learned since we've been here that Glory perhaps introduced us recently. It's a song that goes back to our lead Sing this as we prepare to go back out into that world, to make a difference
4: but before I